0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, uh, again, uh, if you came in after we started service today and I haven't gotten the chance to introduce myself, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Hope. We're delighted you've joined us here today. We're going to be launching a brand new series today. We're really excited about it. You just saw it in the video. You can see it on the screens here. It's called How to Pray. Everyone say that with me. How to Pray. How to pray. I know, super creative and super, uh, you know... Super new. yeah! It's just real straightforward, real simple. How to pray. What you can see on the screen is a picture of a man named Pete Gray, And he is uh, the author of this amazing book that came out uh, maybe late last year called How to Pray. And we think it's a fantastic book. We would highly commend it to uh, any of you who would like to read it. And uh, we're just going to be pulling a lot of stuff from this wonderful book that teaches people how to pray. Don't worry, we're not copying it. I'm not going to come up here and read a chapter every week as a sermon out of his book. Easiest sermon writing ever, right? No, we're not going to do that. Uh, what we're going to be doing, we're just pulling some inspiration from this. We're going to be telling you stories from our own lives and wisdom the Lord's teaching us on why and how to pray. Okay, so let's let's move off of Pete. Let's just go back to the sermon graphic. Thank you. So um, here's the reason why we thought it would be a good idea to talk about prayer At this time of year. Uh, This is the traditional season that Christians call Lent. Now most people I think commonly think of Lent being the time of year that starts on a Wednesday where you have ashes on your forehead and you don't eat chocolate for 40 days. And that's about it. Lent is just a little bit more than that and not eating chocolate. Lent is a season that lasts 46 days long. What it's supposed to resemble is the 40 days, uh, or the, excuse me, is the 40 years when Moses led the Israelites, uh, in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. It also resembles the 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the desert before he began his ministry. So if there's 40, why is there six? Cause there are six Sundays in there that we don't count as days to focus on prayer, to focus on fasting, uh, because Sunday is the day we remember the resurrection of Jesus. So it's 40 plus six, boom, There's Lent. We're right in the middle of it. It's a perfect time to focus on spiritual disciplines, to grow a little bit deeper, to let our roots go a little bit further, to do examining of ourselves, and to grow our relationship with God. That's the perfect thing to do during Lent. And it makes Easter all the more powerful when we get there on April 12th this year. It's going to be a great time here Community of Hope. So we thought it would be perfect to talk about Prayer, and this is why we're talking about how to pray a simple guide for normal people. Now, if you are, um, how do I say this? Depending on where you are in, on the spectrum of your spiritual journey, prayer could be different things. Like if you're somebody who's newer to church, uh, we have people on, across all of our campuses out in Loxahatchee, here in West Palm Beach at CWH Espanol, who have never been to church before, who have no spiritual experience or religious background whatsoever and we have people who it's been forever since they've been to church or maybe they've never even been to church for some of those people when you're talking to them about prayer it can feel new it can feel a little strange it can feel a little awkward most people don't even know how to start maybe you remember the first time you ever tried to pray you're like do you have to use formal pronouns with god the thine thou i don't even know where to start Um, maybe for a lot of people, especially if you have any kind of religious background at all, a lot of people have experienced prayer in a way that is really complicated or really weird. And so some people are like, I don't know, man. That whole prayer thing, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. We believe at our church that it's not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be simple and normal for people. So some people on that side of the spectrum. On the other side of the spectrum, you have people who have been following Jesus for decades. And let me tell you, this campus of Community of Hope is full of Jesus-loving people who have walked in friendship with him longer than I have been alive. And you guys are heroes of the faith here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Seriously there are some amazing people who have amazing lives of prayer here at the East campus and I honor you and I look up to you. And I also know that even if you've been walking with Jesus for decades there comes points in your walk with him when it gets a little dry when you feel a little distant and when you might be asking yourself, "Oh, is there more? Is there more?" to God than this. Maybe there's a deeper experience still yet to be had that you have not tapped into yet. So regardless of where you are, if you're new or you've been at this for a while, this series is for you and I think it's going to deepen your relationship and your friendship with God. Whether you've never spoken to him before or you're waiting to hear him say something new to you, it's for you. We're excited about that. Now, uh, let's now turn to our theme verse and our guiding passage for our series. It's Luke chapter 11, verse 1. In your Connect folder, you had a little business card. Go ahead and grab that now. And what's in this is the theme verse. Uh, this is to help you memorize this. My wife puts this on the mirror on her vanity in our room. She has all of her series on there to help her memorize it. I know people who keep them in stacks in their car with a clip to memorize the passage of the scripture we've been working on. In each series, that's to help you memorize it. If you're a more digital person like me, we also have it for uh, on your smartphone. Go ahead and do that. That picture of the smartphone, please. There we go. Uh, and So you can go ahead and download this off of our website. Just go to communityofhope.church, sermons, and you can click on additional resources, and that's there for you. It works on any smartphone, whether you have an iPhone or an Android, and Jesus will forgive you even if you do have an Android. It's okay. <laughs> Boo. Boo! So whatever you do, just try to be working on memorizing this one verse over the next couple of weeks. And this is going to be our guiding passage for our time today. So we're going to put it on the screen, Luke 11, 1, And we're going to read this out loud all together. This is our tradition with our memory verse. Every passage we're going to study in this series, we're not going to read out loud. But this one we're going to. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. If you can, let's read it out loud together go. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So the title of today's message we're calling Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Would you pray with me? So Father, we ask Now in this time, that you would take your word and you would use it to feed hungry hearts. And would you send your spirit to quench our spiritual thirst? God, I pray that you would breathe something fresh and something new into each and every heart today. And, Lord, we started our service today with a prayer like this, and I believe this is true, and I can feel it now in my heart. Um, I pray every person in here would be touched with fresh hope by the power of your word today. Come, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. 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 So have you ever met somebody who is really good at something, and thought, wow, how did you do that? Um, I think of a few people in our church or in my life who I'm like, you are so good at that. How in the world did you do that? Um, I think of uh, Pastor Jeff, his wife, Jen. She has this amazing baking business. Have you ever had something from Jen McIntosh? Oh, dang. If, if people are wooing as soon as they hear that, you know it's true. She made a cake for my wife before we had baby Susie. Wasn't that fun to have Susanna in church today? That was so good. She said hi to me from the stage. I heard her. So, Um, for the baby shower for Susanna, Jen made this cake that was so creative. She made it look like a pine tree. Don't worry, it didn't taste like a pine tree. It tasted delicious, but she made it look like a pine tree. She took shaved pieces of chocolate and put it around the outside of the cake to look like bark. And then when you cut into the cake, it was a marble cake, so it looked like wood grain on the inside. Is that the most creative thing in the world, or what? How did you do that? I think of my dad. My dad, um, is just an incredibly artistic person. He's the best painter that I know. He loves working with oil paint. He's an amazing gardener. He's got this incredible green thumb. Every single garden he has ever touched turns into like, uh, just like an oasis. And it's just beautiful. He knows exactly what each thing is and where it goes and how to arrange them and how to keep them alive and how to make them blossom, and how to make them flourish. My dad, he's been coming and traveling and staying with us for a little bit for some work he's doing at the church. And my garden has gone like, ta-da, just because he has lived at my house. How did you do that? I think of Pastor Dale. Um, His hobby is woodworking. That man can build anything out of wood. He's really, really good. Maybe it's because he loves Jesus so much. Jesus was a carpenter. Dale loves Jesus, so Dale's a carpenter. Trevor, you love Jesus. Are you good with woodworking? You want to talk about wrestling? Yeah. No. No. I mean, Dale's really good. I think of my father-in-law. He can build anything. He can fix anything. He's an engineer. There's nothing that he doesn't know how to repair. I see all these different people like, how did you do that? You're so good at it. How did you do it? You know, the first time I encountered someone who was so good at prayer, it made me marvel at them, was when I was in high school. Um... And I've been around church for a little bit, but it wasn't until my senior year of high school where I looked at somebody and said, how did you do that? Um, I was part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, growing up and in high school. And you look at me and go, you athlete, listen, slow, okay, just chill out. Um, But I was in the FCA. And uh, anybody here ever part of the FCA growing up? All by myself. Cool, great. Maybe it was a thing in Tampa, maybe here in South Florida. Anyway, so it was a big deal, and we went to the the end-of-the-year banquet for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, for high school. And it was a banquet for all the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Pinellas County. And, you know, they had different speakers, and we had food. You know, it was good, it was good, yada, 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 yada. And then they invited up this man to close in prayer. And it was this large African-American pastor. He didn't even preach. They just asked him to pray. And he told everybody to get up out of their seats with this booming voice and told me to get down on our knees in this banquet hall. And he prayed, and we prayed. And let me tell you, that man could pray. Now, what I do not mean is that he was really loud, and so he prayed. Not that. And he was really passionate, which he was, but it wasn't that either. Or that he had really amazing, poetic prayers to pray. It's not that either. It's that when he prayed, there was power. There was spiritual power in the room. That the atmosphere of the room changed by this man's out loud conversation with God. That you could feel it in your heart. Not just in my emotions, but it made my heart burn. And everyone else's hearts burn in the room. Trust me when I tell you that there's a difference between somebody being really zealous and passionate around religious things and then having a deep prayer life because you can be really passionate and be a pretender at prayer or you can have the real thing. Just because somebody is loud doesn't mean it's legitimate. You hear me? But his was the real deal. And I could feel it. And when he said amen, I looked up and I was like, how? How? did he do that? And it started a lifelong obsession with me that I want to have a prayer life that's marked with real power. Not because of anything I've done, but because I've developed a wonderful friendship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. It made me think that when this guy prayed so powerfully that The first temptation to think about is that maybe some people just have a special relationship with God. That they have like a direct line access with God and it's just for them and other people don't have this. I like to call this the red phone from heaven. Can everybody on that side of the room see this? This is the red phone to heaven. We've seen things like this before. Remember the old Batman series in the 1960s with the red phone where Commissioner Gordon would call Batman? Or um, if you've seen Pixar's The Incredibles, they have red phones like this. Or rumor has it that there was a red phone in the Oval Office that went directly to the Kremlin you know, during the Cold War. This, this resembles a direct access. It resembles exclusivity. It resembles something special, a special line, a special access, direct access to somebody you're trying to talk to. And certainly seems like there are some people who have a red line, red phone, direct access to heaven, and others do not. Wow, how did you do that? You ever felt that way before? I have. And I think it's amazing from our passage today, I think this is what the disciples thought too, that they looked at Jesus and said, my goodness, how did you do that? Let's put the scripture back up on the screen. Luke 11.1. One day, while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. You see, when Jesus was with the disciples, um, they often noticed how he was an incredible man of prayer, that he would get up early before dawn to go pray, that he would stay up late all night long and pray, that he would take some of them away into isolated and alone places to pray the greatest person to ever live on the face of the planet was an incredible man of prayer and you could see that when jesus finished praying and came back to his disciples that they could tell there's something different about him and about the way that he talked to god that they said wow how did you do that jesus you have a red phone to heaven can you teach us how to have one too and my favorite thing about this passage is what Jesus goes on to do next is he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're going to look at that in the next coming weeks. So that's not important for today. But notice what Jesus did not do. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus didn't go, hold on, I'm too busy talking on my exclusive red phone. Shush. And what Jesus did not do, Lord, teach us to pray. What's that? Teach you how to do Oh, no, this is mine. This isn't yours. This is only for special people. This is only for the most spiritual people. This is only for the elite. Go get your own phone that's not colored red, that's probably not as good and won't go direct to God. Jesus didn't do that at all. You know what Jesus did do? Which, um, by the way, random squirrel moment. Um, For those of you who were born after the year 2000, this is called a phone, and this is a cord. And... And this is how people talk on the phone. My daughter, Tessa, I kid you not, looked at this yesterday at my house and said, Daddy, what's that? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled programming. You know what Jesus did? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, sure. And by the way, use my line. Do you know what it means to pray in the name of Jesus? It means you get to use his direct access to the Father. It means you get to use his line. It means you don't have to earn your special red phone to heaven. Jesus is going to share his with you. He'll not only share the access with you, but he'll teach you what to say, and he'll teach you how to listen. A red phone to heaven. See, the first thing to learn how to pray is you just have to dispel some commonly held myths to be able to even learn how to begin to be a great conversationalist with God. And the first one starts with people don't have red phones to heaven, but Jesus has given his to us in his name. And if we're going to learn how to pray, there's a couple other common myths that I want to put before us this morning for the rest of our time today before we take communion that will help you in the next several weeks as we journey together in growing and learning how to pray as a church. Okay? So, I want you to take some notes. Here's one myth that we want to put before you. The first myth is that people think only spiritual people pray. Only spiritual people pray. Um, I'm not necessarily a religious person. I mean, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I mean, prayer, uh, you know, I don't know. And many people would think that as more secular our society goes, that less people pray. And it's actually not true at all. The truth is everybody prays. Everybody prays. From, think about this, from what we know from archaeology and anthropology to looking at drawings on caves from cavemen. It's to be human is to pray. In every single culture, in every single society, in every single century ever, human beings have tried to reach out to the divine, to the spiritual realm, and to connect to whatever is out there. Oftentimes in misguided ways, and often reaching out to the wrong idea of who or what God is, but human beings seem to have this hardwired innate desire to pray. I mean, think about it. Even if maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, I imagine most of us in this room are, but maybe even before you started your journey with Jesus, you were praying, like in the parking lot, you're in a rush for time, you had to run into public, so you go, please give me a parking space, please give me a parking space, please give me a parking space. You're laughing because it's true. (laughs) Everybody prays. Um, Great psychologist David Brenner said this. Prayer is humanity's native language everybody prays so this isn't only for spiritual people this is for all people to learn how to pray and by the way we think prayer is done best and prayer is meant to be to and through jesus christ to god the father but it's still a hardwired human desire where people try to reach out and pray here's another myth So not only is it that everybody prays and we all pray, people also believe that everyone else is better at prayer than me everyone else is praying more than me. And I'm so bad at prayer. I mean, let's all just be honest with us and raise your hand if you feel like you are bad at prayer. Now look at everybody. Look how many of us... Don't put your hand down. It's okay. Don't look at me. Many of us feel like we're bad at prayer. Many of us do. Um, Everyone feels like uh, that... Oh, everyone's better at prayer than me. And the problem with this is that we compare ourselves to someone else's Instagram prayer life. Like we compare our inner struggles with somebody else's highlight reel. You know what I mean? Like I don't trust people who always post on social media every single time they're praying and with an open sky at the beach or in a park or whatever, and they're doing it for everybody to see. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. The truth of it is, is that we all need help to grow in prayer. We all do. So don't believe it that you're bad at prayer and everyone else is good at prayer. Because the truth is this, my friends. Prayer is a never-ending journey. It never stops. Everyone always has a next step to grow in prayer. And the mightiest prayer warriors I know, which many of them come here and have been coming here for decades. You know what they tell me? None of them believe they've arrived in prayer. None of them. All of them know the very next step Jesus is asking them to take to grow in prayer. So the real question of this series isn't, well, I'm bad at this and everyone else is good at this. False. What's true is every single one of us has a next step to take. And so what's yours? And I think in this series, God will reveal that to you, of how you can grow in prayer wherever you are in your prayer journey. For some of you, your growth in prayer is just going to learn how to say hi to God in the first place and to even start a conversation because you don't talk to him. For some of you, you're going to need to learn how to say in prayer, I love you too, to God. We talked about last week. Regardless of where you're at, you always have a next step. So we all need help. All right, here's another myth. One myth that we want to bust. And here's where the first two are kind of general. And then we're going to get a little deep here. Is that people believe that prayer works if you do it right. People believe the myth that prayer always works if you do it right. And that's a challenge. You know, I really, really hate backseat drivers. Anybody else hate backseat drivers? Oh, it's the worst. And it's also true because sometimes um, my wife is in the quiet room. Hi, baby. So uh, when she backseat drives me, I get irritated at it. But 95% of the time, she's actually preventing me from being in in an accident. So I can't get mad at her. Baby, this isn't about you. Love you. I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. Okay, cool. Um, I hate backseat drivers on anything. You could be a backseat driver on anything, not just when you're driving. Like if you're trying to fix something and somebody's like, you're doing it wrong. Or, you know, if you're doing something, hey, you could do it better if you did it like this. Or stop it, you should do it this way. Does anybody else hate being criticized while you're doing something? Yes, it's the worst. And a lot of people get judgmental with prayer. Because if something isn't happening in your life, when you've been praying about it, asking God to do it, judgmental people and maybe even yourself will look at you and go, well, it's because you're doing it wrong. If you only had enough, if you only had more faith, that would work. You ever heard that? Well, if you do it right, it would happen, but because it's not, you're obviously doing it wrong. They treat prayer like science like it's engineering like it's a lever like if i say the right thing with enough sincerity and with enough faith it will pull a lever and then the doors of heaven will open up and god will drop his answer down and prayer is like a lever you just have to pull the lever the right way and then it will work but the truth is is prayer is less science it's more art Prayer is less engineering and it's more mystery. And the truth is, even Jesus lived with unanswered prayer. What, was he doing it wrong? I dare any of you to tell Jesus that. No. I mean, Jesus prayed a prayer. Father, would my followers be one as you and I are one? Is that prayer answered today? No. No. Jesus, when he went to his hometown in Nazareth, tried to do miracles there which involved prayer and prayed for miracles to happen and really couldn't do anything because uh, the, the towns struggle with rejecting him because they couldn't get their heads around that he was the son of God and not little Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. Jesus tried to do a miracle and couldn't. Think about that. Even Jesus lives with unanswered prayer. So it's not about that. It's a mystery. It's mysterious about prayer. And just because nothing is happening the way you're asking it for to doesn't mean you're not doing it right. And by the way, the purpose of prayer isn't to make something happen. The purpose of prayer is to grow closer to God. We got time for one more. And this is my favorite myth to bust. And here's the myth, is that God's going to do whatever he wants, whether we pray or not. None of you, I bet, have ever said this. Some of you, if you've had a struggle with faith, have thought it, and a few of you maybe have said it. And what we're trying to point out here is people think, well, if God exists, and if God is all-powerful, and God is almighty, then logically, why does prayer even matter? He's just going to do whatever he wants anyway. People think this. People do this. And even if you don't articulate this and you wouldn't write this and you wouldn't share this and you wouldn't teach a Sunday school lesson on this, we all act this way. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you that bust this myth in particular. That God's going to do whatever he wants, whether we pray or not. James 4.2, this is the little brother of Jesus. He's the biological son of Mary and Joseph. James wrote this, you do not have because you do not ask God. So again, we're going to hold a mystery. I just told you just minutes ago that just because you have unanswered prayer doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Okay? So that's still true. And at the same time, Scripture teaches us there's some things that have not yet happened in our lives Because we have not yet prayed about it. Isn't that wild to think? Here's another one. James 5, 16 through 18 says this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Effective means it does stuff. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah was a person just like us who did not have a special red phone to heaven. But he was a normal person, a normal person, and when he prayed, stuff happened. That's what it's trying to teach us. And so it's not true. It's a myth that God's just going to do whatever he wants. The truth is that prayer actually changes things and changes your life and changes your heart and changes our world. I remember when God really convicted me about believing this myth. And I love prayer. I'm known as the prayer guy at Community of Hope for Crying Out Loud. I pray about all sorts of stuff in my life, about lots of little details. And I felt like, right, I got game with prayer. I'm good. Until I was at a conference in 2016. I went to a conference with... Um, some of our staff members, that was really about renewal and, and just being refreshed in God's presence. And there was a woman speaker that they'd flown in all the way from Iraq. And she wasn't a missionary. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't an author. She wasn't something spiritual. She was a counselor. And she was a grief counselor. And her primary clientele was to do trauma counseling for women and children in Iraq who were victims of ISIS. Think about this lady when you wake up tomorrow morning and complain about your job. Can you imagine any tougher scenario? That your job is to help people process the horrific trauma they experienced at the at the hands of an evil, evil terrorist regime that's a scourge of the earth. And she shared for us with a half an hour and wept the whole time for half an hour straight. And at the end, called these 1400 leaders and pastors who were there. And she didn't get mad at them for not getting politically involved. And she didn't get mad at us for not starting a bunch of nonprofit organizations. All those things are good. She took us to task for saying, America, you are not praying enough about ISIS. Now, I pray a lot about a lot of stuff. I pray about my money, I pray for our church, I pray for my wife and my children, I pray for Palm Beach County, I pray for my messages, I pray for you, I pray for Pastor Dale, I pray for my neighbors, I pray for all sorts of stuff. But when it comes to big world stuff, even somebody like me, when like I think I'm the prayer guy, even I got suckered into this myth. That Man, that stuff is just too big to deal with. God's just going to do whatever he's going to do anyway, and whether I pray or not. I wasn't actually believing. The prayer changes things. You see what I'm saying? And that day, I got a call from the Lord to start praying about big stuff that actually prayer could change things. And so did 1,400 other pastors that day. And I'm sure God took that little ragtag group of people and raised up other groups of people all over the earth to pray against the darkness of this organization that was spreading all across the Middle East and doing horrific things to women and children. That was 2016. 2016. You know where ISIS is today? Almost completely obliterated. And I praise God for that. That's okay to clap for that. I know that's complicated. I know that's complicated because there's like military stuff, and then there's political stuff, and oh, God, where's Pastor Trevor going? I don't know. Prayer is mysterious. All I know is people prayed and things changed. That's all I know. Okay? That's all I'm trying to say. It changes things. Something as huge as like a world issue and something as serious as just a you issue. It'll change things if you lean in. Prayer changes things. And prayer is about a relationship with God. And so friends, let's learn how to pray. Amen? Amen. Before we go to communion, I have a challenge for you. We're challenging our church to grow in prayer in one particular way. And we're going to launch on Holy Week, the week before Easter, the, after the final message of this series, we're going to have a full week of what's called 24-7 prayer, where there's going to be 168 hour-long prayer slots that we're going to ask people to sign up for and pray for and cover our church, whether you're at your home, at work, at school, at a park, wherever it is that you're going to pray, and cover our church nonstop in prayer leading up to Easter. We're going to grow in prayer together. you hear more details about it. Pretty cool, right? It's going to be a great thing. So more details on that to come. Challenge issued. Let's learn how to pray. And so guys, this is the perfect reason why we're going to close today with communion. Because this is what's resembled when Jesus gave us his direct access to the Father. It's because of his sacrificial death on the cross where he took our place, taking our sins upon himself and giving us his righteousness and perfect relationship with God. That's how we got his red phone to heaven. That's how we have a relationship with the Father is because of the cross. And so now's the perfect time for us to bow our heads and to confess our sins and to cast our sins upon the cross of Christ so we can be reconciled to the Father. Take a moment now to confess your sins to God. Scripture says while we are still sinners, Christ died for us and it proves that God loves us. So therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat, and do so in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup, he gave thanks for it, and he blessed it, and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins, take and drink, and do so in remembrance of me. And so, Father, thank you for Jesus, for his sacrificial death on the cross that gave us a direct access with you to be forgiven, to be healed, to be made whole, and God, to be reconciled to you. He did it so we could pray. Would you pour out the Holy Spirit on this bread and on this juice? Make it the body and blood of Christ for us today. And make us the body of Christ for a broken world so desperate need of you. Amen. In just a moment, when I dismiss you, you go out your left, my right, and you'll come down each aisle to, there's going to be a communion station in front of each respective uh, section here. Somebody uh, is going to come, they're going to again again, give you a piece of bread, and they're going to hand you a cup of juice. You can take communion that way. We have gluten-free communion here in the back for anybody with a gluten sensitivity. And we always say community of hope, Anybody can take communion at our church. The only prerequisite is that you want to follow Jesus and live at peace with one another. If that's you, you can welcome to take communion. One last thought. Often we do communion here at the East Campus. Some of you take communion and go out the doors. This is a family meal. And so I'd ask you, if you can, respectfully stay until our whole family eats at the table of Christ. Can we do that together as a worshiping community? I would love for that. Yes? Great. All right, amen. Friends, let's come to the table of the Lord together. Would you come? Friends, if you are willing, would you put your hands out in front of you like this is a posture of prayer? And here's the most appropriate thing we can do to end our service today. Would you pray with me what our scripture was today and the disciples' request of Jesus? Lord, teach us to pray. Let's pray this all together. Lord, teach us to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us direct access to the Father. Teach us to pray as you prayed. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, if you need prayer, prayer room's gonna be available back there. Go for anything. Otherwise, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.